Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. Our first Bible reading, which is from Acts chapter 3 and verses 1 through to 10. Peter heals the crippled beggar. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man, crippled from birth, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going to the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them to the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Second Bible reading is from First Peter Chapter 3 and verses 8 to 18. Finally, all of you, live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better, if if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ died for sins once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. You've done my heart good today. It's, it's great to be here because uh, I was here 25 years ago and when all of this began. I sat just over there on the, uh, the back seat uh, during the, uh, the preaching. I think it was Derek Tidball who uh, preached at the opening um, of this, this place. However... Uh, it's, it's, it's good to be here and it's good to sort of sense the excitement and the way the Lord is blessing you uh, I remember when Mike was appointed I remember some of the conversations in the association and amongst the regional ministers you know how would someone from way across the water going to come into Wales and settle and all of these things and wow how God is blessing you Wonderful, exciting, and uh, good to be here. Anniversary time. What am I going to share with you? There was um, 
uh, uh, during a, a business meeting in a small church, one of the deacons said, Pastor, I think we need a chandelier for the church. No, replied another deacon, I'm against it. And so the pastor says to the other deacon, so, so why are you against it, brother? Well, he said, first, nobody in the church can spell it. <laughs> Secondly, nobody in the church can play it. And thirdly, nobody in the church can help us. That, that cannot help us in any way. But what we need in this church more than anything is more light, he said. <laughs> you see, not only do we misunderstand English, but we misunderstand each other in church life very often, don't we? And somehow or other, the community around us is failing to understand what church is about as well. I mean, light is something that brings hope and confidence to people in, in places of darkness, isn't it? And Peter, in this, um, in this letter, was writing to persecuted Christians. And it's tragic, isn't it, to think of how Christians are, are still being persecuted across the world. And he's, he's writing to these people, but, but one of the wonderful phrases that he used, uses to describe them, he describes them as God's chosen people. Now, up until then, of course, God's chosen people were always the Jews. And here now is the church growing up, and, and Peter is wanting to, to encourage them in this time of persecution. And he says, remember, you are God's chosen people. And if that applied to them, it applies to us. It applies to you, doesn't it? As we are God's chosen people. But I, I had the reading from the Acts of the Apostles read because it says something Wonderful to us. You'll know the story of Peter and John going up to the temple to pray. And, uh, and uh, this beggar is sitting there and he asks them for arms or money. And, uh, and Peter says, look at us. And they, he looked expecting something. And Peter said, look, we haven't got any silver or gold. But what we have we give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He took him by the hand and he, he walked. And he, he went into the church we're told walking and leaping and praising God, the children's chorus says, doesn't it? And then we read this. And when the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him and were surprised and amazed. And the reading in 1 Peter refers as well, did it not, to the fact that we are being watched as the people of God. The world is watching us. I don't know whether you've, uh, you've ever been involved here at Ararat in that, uh, that scheme that they used to call Back to Church Sunday about the end of September. And then they changed it to the, 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 the big welcome. And this was happening across the denominations, I believe, wasn't it? And wonderful things happening and many people came into the church and, and so on. And, and I found myself and find myself when I see and hear about these schemes asking two questions. First, who's given the welcome? And secondly, what have they been welcomed into? Now, that's a thought, isn't it? I don't think you've got a problem here from what I was picking up this morning. But what have they been welcomed into? And so I want to draw three points from this passage uh, that, I, that uh, I, I, I've chosen uh, today. And the same, the first one is, it's obvious, it's happening here. But have the same attitude and outlook. I mean, I know something of the problems that you've been through here in Abergavenny. And I can tell you, if I get the chance, and I'm not as actively involved now in association life as I used to be, but if I get the chance and are able to speak to some of the folk in the association, I will tell them 
how excited I was when I came to this place. They'll be glad to hear, I'm sure they know it, because some of you have, have shared what God is, is doing amongst you. But it could be said that what Peter was saying to these people, make sure, make sure that you are united. Now, unity, as you know, is painful, even amongst Baptists. It's painful. But Jesus emphasized this. Do you remember when he prayed for his disciples in that famous prayer in in John chapter 17? I pray that you will be one. Why? So that the world might believe that you sent me. And in Acts, the group of people, group of believers, Acts chapter 4, were one in mind and heart. And then Paul picks it up in Romans and and he says, we have many parts in the one body, live in harmony with one another. And then it's right into Corinthians, a divided church, very gifted church, but all over the place as far as being together was concerned, with many parts, but one body, remember, he says, but all its different parts should have the same concern for one another. I appeal to you, agree in what you say so that there'll be no division among... When there's jealousy, when there's quarreling, that proves that you belong to this world. So the New Testament emphasizes the importance of having the same attitude and outlook. When you think in terms of the church of Jesus Christ today, some people say to me, well, if you're all Christians, why have we got all these different denominations? (laughs) Why can't you do more? And yes, I agree. But you see, there's tradition involved, isn't there? And, and like somebody said, I, I, I don't mind the other churches closing as long as our church doesn't close. You know? And that's what we're up against, isn't it? In his book, Secrets of Spiritual Stamina, Stuart Briscoe uh, writes, isn't it easy to get fed up with God's people? The problem, quite frankly, he says, is that the church of Jesus Christ is made up of exclusively of redeemed sinners. And these wretched sinners, and I'm one of them, he says, yes, and I am too, these wretched sinners have an awful habit of showing their true colors. And if we're going to come down like a ton of bricks on everyone who shows their true colors, then there'll be an awful pile of bricks around the place. Then he asks this, how on earth are you going to get people this dissimilar into one new community? And then he says, you won't. Unless, you won't, unless there is Christian grace, unless there is Christian attitude, unless there is Christian action. And Peter, in writing uh, to these group of Christians, peace be grace and peace be yours in abundance, he says, right in the opening uh, verses of chapter 1. There's a, there's a group in Wales uh, called uh, Samai. Some of you might know about their work. And they were telling us in a group that I was in uh, a few months ago the fact that thousands of young people in Wales are homeless. And it's a frightening reality. And Sue O'Brien spoke on behalf of Lamai talking about providing accommodation and help to those in times of crisis and dealing with young people. And, And in their literature, a step in the right direction And they say this, we encourage them by listening to them. And that's a crucial thing these days, isn't it? And I'm sure you've found it through Alpha and how exciting that is and meeting in people's homes to talk through questions they have about their faith. Listening to them, not not pushing them on side because it's an awkward question, but, but listening and searching with them. And they say we encourage them by listening to them and try and help them become part of their community 
And then they say this, we don't give up on them. We don't give up on them. How many times have you given up on somebody? How many times have you been praying for somebody that they might, they might come to know Jesus? And you think, well, there's no point. Then nothing is changing. <laughs> Let's give up on them. One of Peter's recurring themes, not only God's love for us, but our love for others too. Have the same attitude and outlook. Secondly, yes, he talks about being critical of each other and all of that. Well, I'm, I'm skipping over that passage uh, because it's, it's understandable. We, we really have to break away from that kind of thing. But, but he says this, secondly, have reverence for Christ. Have reverence, the, the whole verse, have reverence for Christ in your hearts and honor him as Lord. In this section, Peter is being influenced by words from Isaiah chapter 8. Remember I, the Lord Almighty, am holy. I am the one you must fear. One writer puts it like this. Our enemies might hurt us, but they cannot harm us. Only we can harm ourselves if we fail to trust God. It's over a 12 months ago now, I think. I had a message. I was still working as a pastoral worker at Ararat and... I've retired from that as well now, so I've retired twice in the last so many years. You know, but uh, I had a message from the administrator in the in the church at at Ararat saying that there's someone wanted to see me as soon as possible, and uh, and so I responded to the message. And when I heard the full message, I thought, Oh yes, I know who this is, and I hadn't seen him for about ten years. He's a former Welsh rugby player, huge chap. I know it doesn't take much to be bigger than me, but I mean, he he was he was huge and. It's only when we sat down at the table together that we were at a more even level. But we had a cup of tea together and Gareth, he said, I've made a mess of my life. I said, so what's all this about then? And there were tears rolling down his face. This, this big, burly rugby player. <laughs> I need saving, Gareth, he said. We chatted through some of his problems. We prayed together. We arranged to meet again the following week. In the meantime, he texts me and they said, which translation of the Bible did you say I should buy? I always direct them to the word of God. That's where we grow, isn't it? And that's where we get our spiritual food from. And uh, which translation? And I was sharing this with one of the tutors of the South Hills Baptist College that I'd had. He had asked me this question. He said, I hope you told him I don't care which translation you buy as long as you can understand what you're reading. Anyway, he came the next week and he said, I read this every day, he said. I had the privilege at the end of that session of of leading him to the Lord. And and it was wonderful. And I wish I could then go on to say uh, that uh, he was baptized in our church. He's now growing in the Lord. Unfortunately, because he's in rugby, he plays uh, some... He was then playing up in the Midlands. He's now in Australia. And I heard last weekend he's just got married. I don't know where he's at spiritually. But what I do know is that he sought guidance to know where he stood with God. And he told me, as part of his testimony, I had a dream, he said, and his mother was a glorious Christian. I had a dream, and I dreamt that I had died and I'd gone to the gates of heaven. And my mother was there. And he said, but before I could go through the gates of heaven, a trap door opens and I drop down to hell. And he said, so clear was that vision, I thought, I'm not right with God. And maybe some of you are like that this morning. Don't delay in making a decision to follow him. If you're searching... If you're searching, just, just search that little bit more. Mike will guide you through. I've, I'm sure that you will come to know Jesus as your Savior because nothing will give you greater satisfaction than that kind of peace in your heart. 
Johann Carlos Ortiz, in his book, God is Closer Than You Think, he writes about a young Christian student in university. And in his class, there was a group of men who ridiculed him because he was a Christian. And because they outnumbered him, of course, they, they silenced him very quickly. One day, they said to him, his friends living the high life of plenty of wine, women, and song, as they put it, why don't you leave this Jesus and come with us? While you were living the high life, I'll be doing something else, or I may even stay at home. But I want you to know this. The one who gives me the strength to do this is Jesus. His mates never talked religion with him again. They could see and know that he had reverence for Christ in his heart and honored him as Lord. When we give the big welcome and when people come, it's wonderful. And I already heard something of the warmth and the fellowship that's here. And wouldn't it be wonderful that when they come, every one of us, they would get the impression from us that uh, Jesus has this unique place in our lives and that they discover the most precious thing for us is our relationship with God. My granddaughter, eldest granddaughter, who will be 20 next month, was, was telling me the other day how she's going out to this lad and uh, she's been going out with him now for a couple of months, I suppose. And, um, and she said, I, I, I said to him the other day, look, uh, George, I want you to know one thing, that however this relationship develops, if it's going to develop, I want you to know that God has got a very special place in my life, and he will always be number one. <laughs> and she laid the cards on the table. Oh, I shouldn't use that expression in church, should I? But she made it plain to him. She made it plain to him where she stood. And it's wonderful to see, isn't it? Grandchildren and others grow in that knowledge and relationship with God. A real reverence, as Peter puts it, have reverence for Christ in your heart, honor him as Lord. Some of you may have read of Benjamin Francis working in the rural uh, North India. Admittedly, uh, he's, he's in that country and not in this country. But in the last about 15 years, he has planted nearly 11,000 churches. It's incredible. And God is, is blessing the work in amazing ways in, in that part of North India. India is a massive country, of course. But he was asked what we in the West can learn from the world church. I think that UK Christians, with all due respect, he says, I think that UK Christians have to renew their confidence in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That he actually does make a difference and that he can change situations and people and lives. And it's been good to hear something of that testimony coming through this morning. And so the third point, my third point, yes, have the same attitude and outlook. Secondly, have reverence for Christ in your hearts. And thirdly, be ready to explain your hope. Be ready at all times to answer anyone who asks you to explain the hope that you have in you, but do it with gentleness and with respect. I'm sorry to use a, a personal illustration again, but our eldest son has got his own business and uh, he's advertises as a Christian and so on, and he's got a fish on his adverts and all of that, and the cross as well. And um, But he was telling me uh, just a couple of months ago, I had a tough time, Dad, he said. I said, so what's the tough time about? Well, a, a friend, and indeed he was a friend of his, had let him down badly. He had uh, ordered uh, 
something from my son and uh, everything was in the pipeline. My son had spent a lot of money making this possible and he said, I'm sorry, he said, I can't go through with it. My son was devastated because it was a lot of money involved. And uh, he said, my wife and I, we, we sat and did our readings and we were reminded that God gives us courage to face every difficulty that comes along the way. I spoke to him two weeks ago. My wife is anxious. We, we need some, something done to our bathroom. There's none of you like to have that sort of problem, I'm sure, but we need something done to our bathroom. And uh, how are we going to cope with this? How are we going to do this? And so my wife, naturally, she said to her eldest son, any chance of some of your men coming to help us? Well, I, I'll put it like this, Mum. he said. My bricklayer is fully occupied until the end of August. So I suppose that happens, he said, for the rest of the, of the, the, the workers too. And so whatever happened by way of that disappointment, the work is still coming in and going forward because he said to God one day, Lord, I'm struggling with this, but now I'm handing it over to you. It's your work and not mine, but I will do what you call me to do. And so the work goes on. And we praise God for that. His son now has just completed an apprenticeship with, uh, with the firm and, and uh, going on in, in, the, in the business too. Be ready to explain the hope that is in you, but do it with gentleness and respect. One writer says our faith must, uh, must be a first-hand discovery, not a second-hand story. How often have you heard it said of somebody who doesn't come to church and they might hear of your involvement, they say, oh, my grandfather used to be a minister or my brother used to be involved or my uncle used to be involved. You, you hear these stories and, and they, you almost give the impression that they're depending on that faith to get them through rather than a personal relationship with a living God. Coming to the cross and confessing unworthiness Seeking forgiveness and trusting the Savior. That has to be done personally. What we're being told here by Peter is that we must be able to tell people what we believe and why we believe it. I mean, Jesus said, didn't he? Go, go into all the world and, and preach the gospel. Share what Christ has done. And I love it. These testimonies this morning are fabulous. And if you're a bit shy of doing it, because I imagine some people would be, don't worry. Nobody wants anything extraordinary to happen. They just want your story. Remember when I was interviewed for uh, the Baptist College, and this is a long time ago now, uh, but uh, when I was interviewed by the principal, he said, so what makes you think you ought to be coming to train for ministry? And I said, well, I, I'm sorry. I said, I, I, haven't got, I haven't had any blinding flash of lightning or anything like that. Oh, thank goodness for that, he said. <laughs> I said, why do you say, well, he said, I've had so many stories of people who've had these dramatic experiences and then once they come up against it in the first struggle and they've gone. So why do you feel, well, I said, there's so many sermons being preached I've felt were preached for me. And there's so many people spoken to me and said, you ought to be in ministry. And I said, I'm coming to you to try and sort this out, to know, to know what God is saying to me. And the rest is history, isn't it? And nearly 40 years on, I still would not change what he's called me to do. Somebody once said, the only unanswerable argument for Christianity is the Christian life. And that a saint, and I think this is a lovely sentence, a saint is, <clears throat> is someone whose life makes it easier for others to believe in God. <laughs> 
a saint. We think of saints as, as, as exalted people, but Paul describes the people in so many of the churches as the saints in the church at Rome and the saints in the church at Philippi. And so he goes on, a saint is someone whose life makes it easier for others to believe in God. Fiona Castle has written of a church that she had heard about in Cologne that had a sign above the exit door that everyone could read as they, were, as they were leaving the church. And the sign said, Servant's Entrance. <laughs> Servant's Entrance. As they were leaving the church, going out to serve. And she wrote of how the cha- it challenged her because she said, often we, we leave church thinking about lunch. You know, is the, is, will the beef be done? Or will the whatever be done? Or did I leave the oven on? Or did I put it off? Or... Yes, I've already talked to someone about Cardiff City yesterday playing soccer. And if it had been rugby yesterday, you know, everybody... Well, you still talk about rugby in Abergavenny, I'm sure, don't you? And, but you see, once you, we, can, we can get on with normal conversations, but not talk about what God might have said to us and how he might have spoken to us. And she puts this question, how often do we rise to the challenge of being God's servants? Of going where he calls us of spreading the gospel, not just with our words, but with our lives. We had a baptismal service. If you, if you um, uh, turn to our website, Ararat website, you'll, you'll hear the testimony of a, a 78-year-old man. And he was saying how he had... Uh, he said, I've gone through my life, he said, watching the stocks and shares and all the finance, because he worked in finance. And, I, and I've been studying all these things carefully as going through my life. And I think now, he said, what a waste of time. <laughs> what a waste of time. The important thing is a relationship with God. And now at 78, he said, I'm prepared to say, if God wants me to go to India, I'm prepared to go. (laughs) His granddaughter left her very worried. She thought, goodness me, he's not very steady on his feet. If he goes to India, how is he going to cope? But that conviction was there. I've been willing to serve and ready to serve. Are we caring, loving, faithful friends and colleagues so that people will, will want to know what it is that makes us tick? What it is that makes us like this? Former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, uh, has worked, is now working as a volunteer in a Cornish church. He says it's one of the most beautiful parts in the world. And being a Welshman, I think, oh dear, there's nice parts of Wales as well. Where is he? And he has volunteered. Oh yes, he's Archbishop of Canterbury, finished that work, so no, no, no retirement. He wants to get to work in that particular church so that he can serve God there. Benjamin Francis puts it, start sharing your story and there will be a change. The best bit about it is that it's your story and no one can refute it. See, Peter is not suggesting, Peter is not suggesting that Christians argue with the unbeliever, but that we are simply ready to give an account of what we believe and why we believe it in a loving and caring manner. The purpose is never to win an argument. The purpose is to, <clears throat> is to win more people for Jesus Christ. I'm preaching in Ararat this evening. I will be sharing with them the wonder of your Alpha course. But I'll also be telling them that there's a new Alpha course with 13 people, did you say? Wonderful, isn't it? These are exciting times. But remember, it's about what God is doing. And lots of people are not willing to recognize that these days. They... And they're afraid sometimes to talk about it. As though they'll be thought of as being holier than thou or a bit odd. But if it's part of your life and conviction, then let's share it in a caring and loving way. Let me end with a story. 
story of a minister who was on his way to play golf with a friend. And uh, they put their clubs in the boot of the car and it started to rain. And uh, as they moved along nearer to the golf course, the rain got heavier and heavier. And it was raining so heavy that they sat in the car for a while before venturing out because they thought they can't play golf in this. And, and the friend said to the, the, the minister, can you see if you can pull some strings up there? You know, you've got connections, haven't you? Ah, said the minister. You see, that's management. I'm in sales. <laughs> and that's where we are, isn't it? We're in sales. Oh, not forgetting management, of course. He's the source of everything that we do. In him we live and move and have our very being. Is the product worth buying? Can you reach the point of decision? I, sorry, I, 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 it's just an illustration, but my uh, eldest granddaughter was telling me because she's gone into uh, business with her mother and she works as a beautician and in laser treatment and all this sort of thing and, and uh, she has won an award for uh, products that she sold. And this very smart lady came in to, to see her one day and, uh, and she was talking about some of the products and, and this lady said, oh, I know, you're going to try and sell me things now. No, no, she said, no, no, I'm not going to. But these are the products and, and if you're interested, that's all. I'm just telling you. And she went away with quite a number of the products because my granddaughter said, no, no, you don't have to buy. It's up to you. And in a sense, it's like that of the Christian faith, isn't it? People don't have to buy it. But when they see that it's precious to us and that our relationship is not just something that we do on Sundays but is a living faith with a living Lord, may God then by his spirit do the rest. We try to want to do things for him but when we are his faithful servants ready to give, explain the hope that is in us then we leave the rest to him. Let us pray. God our Father, we thank you for this church for 25 years uh, together we thank you for the christian witness in this community and we thank you for two baptist churches that came together in a wonderful way and and today celebrate their 25th birthday lord will you continue to bless them we thank you for mike and and uh, his dear wife too and for their influence and ministry here lord will you continue to bless them and this congregation and any new folk who come in that they might discover you for themselves that they might feel it right, that they can have the same attitude and outlook, that they too can have reverence for Christ in their hearts, and that they always will be ready to explain, to explain the reason for the hope that is in them. And so we commit the church and this celebration time and the future into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't just think that was a word from Gareth. I think that was a word from God. I, I know for myself it spoke to me personally and challenged me and I'm sure there are many of you out here who have heard the word from God and have spoken to you. And if it's spoken to you, then you need to respond to that. But I believe that's a word from God and we need to respond to that.